Hey guys, we're here with Top 5s and Deep Dives, and this week we are coming at you with the movie Dirty Work, the 1998 comedy. I've got Mike on the other end. Hey. And then I've also got, for his very first episode with us, my brother Dylan. Hello folks, what's going very on? special guest. Very, very special. He's going to be joining us on quite a few of these. So this is this is your your opening taste tonight. Let's go. Get ready. Um, oh yeah. So let's get into dirty work. PG thirteen came out in nineteen ninety eight. It's an hour and twenty two minutes long. It uh, stars Norm Macdonald who also wrote the film. If you don't know Norm, he was on SNL. He's big, big stand-up comedian. He's done, he's appeared in a lot of the Sandler films and uh, had another very underrated film that uh, I spoke about in one of our recent episodes, Screwed, that I know Dylan is also a big fan of. Big time. We've got... Artie Lang, good old Artie. He's Still he's in this. absolute legend. Absolute legend. Hope his nose is recovering currently. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole side story. That's a whole situation. Hilarious. I wouldn't even recognize him right now. Hilarious that there's like a nose subplot of this movie, and Artie <laughs> has such a nose subplot to his life. This is why we're revisiting it right now. Really, this is the real reason. Incredible. Then we've got the absolute legend, Jack Warden, who famously starred in 12 Angry Men and his final movie, which is going oh to God, make I'm all so three of us go nuts, is The Replacements. Oh Absolutely incredible. I did not know that was his final film. Holy Last crap. Credit, The Replacements. And he has so I many credits. Yeah, 12 Angry Men's 1957 and his last credits to replacements. That's enough said, bro. What a guy yeah. I, I, Oh, my God. I'm just – the scene uh, is playing in my mind when he's, like, in the booze, like, you beautiful son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Then we've got, uh, we've got Trailer Howard, who plays Norm's love interest in this. And then we have three really big names to to finish off sort of the main cast. We've got Christopher McDonald, who you all know at the very least as Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. We've got Dude, the one. Did not only... realize though that he has Christopher Christopher McDonald's two hundred and ten acting credits. What? What? I didn't realize he was in so much shit. Like, like clearly he peaked at Shooter McGavin or. As Mr. Kirkovich in Happy Endings. Big well, shout out to future episode. But 210 wow. credits. There are three credits that I know him for. Travis Cole in Dirty Work, Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore, and then just like the father in like the movie. I think it was Leave it to Beaver, the movie. Like <laughs> <laughs> if anyone saw that, like I loved it no. as a kid. Oh my God. That, that's literally <laughs> three movies I remember him as. <laughs> also, big, big shout out. We kind of glossed over it, but... Just reading Trailer Howard's acting credits is just like a blast from the past. Like, <laughs> please, please do. These roles do it. are Monk, Boston Common, Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place, and Me, Myself, and Irene. It just wow. took me back. What, what, a, what a career. Wow. What 
What a 90s actress right there. Two guys, a girl in the pizza place. Who even remembers that show? <laughs> Not me. It went for like... But I'll tell you what know, it reminds like me of. <laughs> what does it remind Two. you of? Two girls, one cup. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> May we all be able to forget that. Trailer yes. was so, so sorry. That so sorry, don't, Trailer. Don't mean to do that to you. So, and now... The two other big, big roles in this film, Chevy Chase, legend. I mean, nothing needs to be said. And then in his final film appearance ever, the one, the only Chris Farley. Four one out. God damn. You know what's, you know what's interesting? I I don't know the reason behind this, but he's uncredited on IMDb. And I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's because maybe they didn't want this to be like his official final movie because before it was almost heroes where he is the leading man. So I don't know what the reasoning behind that is, but I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I did Um, as well. I tried to dig in. He's a pretty big character in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to do some digging online and I could not find the answer to that. Um, I know that at the end of the film, it's dedicated to him, but I don't right. know why he's not in the credits. I, I think it, I think it has to definitely play into his death, but it, and I, I, you know, if I were to guess, I think it has to do something with like, you know, let's let's not have him in the credits. Let's just make that's just this movie's for him. You know, I don't know. Maybe they just it's wanted a, to. I think it. my take is that I don't think anybody really likes this film that made the film. That's that's what I think it is. They didn't want to <laughs> like this is his last credit because like. Well, anyway, we'll talk about it. But with the whole like R PG thirteen thing, like, okay, yeah, yes. we'll get into that. I wonder we'll if maybe they were just like, this that. isn't worthy of his last. Not that it's not great. I don't know. I, I I mean, it's a good devil's advocate take, but I I don't know if I agree with that because I mean, we'll get into it. But I I adore this movie, so it's 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 hard for me to accept that. But um, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a devil's advocate take. Yeah. All right, Tom. Yes. So you're here with the main cast. So, but I'm so sure that's our main cast. I am. I am. Before I do, I'm going to just give us director and writers. The director of this film, believe it or not, is Bob Saget. I did not know this literally until yesterday. (laughs) I swear to God. How much does that make you lose your mind? I lost it. I was like, who directed this movie? Like, usually, you know, you don't think too hard about who directed a comedy. Like, usually it's just like somebody, and you're like, oh, good for them. Like, and then they never directed another good one. (laughs) If they do, awesome. But it's like, I was like, wait, Bob Saget directed this fucking movie? Like, holy (laughs) shit. Took a break from Full House and just came and directed Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang. Let's go. Well, it's not like he had an illustrious directing career after this. Correct. (laughs) He directed Farce of the Penguins. So that's all I can. This this is arguably the biggest film he directed. For sure. I think it is. I think it is. And, but anyway, it's just amazing. And then, of course, with his entourage cameos later down the line, it just. I love love that that's the one thing you called out because that's what I was going to say the same thing. Incredible. (laughs) It's just the. And and the reason why it's interesting is because it's like you wonder yourself, how did that come about? Like Norm wrote this movie, were him and Bob boys? Like you know, you just wonder about all those behind the scenes things that came together. Like how yeah. did Bob Saget come to direct this movie? You know, I, I assume they're boys from stand up because there's a lot of stand ups. Yeah, this movie, right? yeah. You with this film specifically, it's like when you when you see sort of all the dots that connect with the guys behind the scenes and the guys in front of the camera, it it all makes sense. But it, it would just be so interesting to just truly 
get the story on all of it. And and that leads me into the writers, actually, because I feel like that is another piece of this puzzle that's very connected to everyone in the film. So Norm was one of the writers, but he wrote it with Frank Sebastiano and Fred Wolf. Now, to give you some background, both of these guys worked on SNL. Frank worked on SNL from 95 to 2006. Fred worked on SNL from 91 to 97. And I mean, the credits for, for Frank Sebastiano are insane. Besides SNL. Low-key legend. Absolutely. He wrote 835 episodes of the David Letterman show from t- 2004 to 2009. He wrote for the Jimmy Fallon show. He wrote for the man show. If you remember the man show with uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla, he wrote for the Chris rock show He's written the Comedy Central roasts. It's the guy is a the guy is a, a legend. And then Fred Wolf, besides the SNL stint, he's he's written movies that include some of these cast members. He wrote Black Sheep. Oh yeah, yep, fucking legend. He, fucking legend. he wrote Joe Dirt. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that and he wrote Dickie Roberts. Wrote Dickie Roberts and more that on DVD. Oh my god. And more recently, Grown Ups 1 and 2, which aren't quite up to those, that quality. But point is, he's in that Sandler family, that, yes. you know, the SNL guys from that era. And, and he has a cameo in this movie. Yeah. He does. He does indeed. And speaking of cameos, oh, wow. boy, do we have the, a lot of good ones. The game is fucking on point today, Dan. There we, I mean, come on. So we've got David Koechner. As the car, the car salesman in the, oh in the, in the, in the hilarious hookers in the, in the trunk scene. Yes. We've got Rebecca Romaine. Do you guys remember her? Who doesn't? She, she used to be Rebecca Romaine Stamos, I believe. And Wait, I can't, wait, I can't wait. even believe that, got, that didn't work out. She, Stuff. I know. She, Dill, you know her. She, in the movie, she plays the bearded lady. Oh yeah, she's yeah. She's uh she's Mystique in those like earlier X Men films from like, the <laughs> yep. early two thousands. Wow. Was she yes, she was she was in a couple other things too. But yeah, she was big back then at Femme that time. Fatale, a movie that I rented because they just kept trying to push it on me at the blockbuster in Monroe, <laughs> Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> and wait a second, if she was a Stamos, does that mean she's John Stamos's ex wife? Yes. yes. It does indeed. That's the how we got her and that's how Bob got her. Yep. She also was in the uh, the absolute success of a film, Rollerball, with Chris Klein, if we all remember that one. Oh, yeah, I do. Also, deep uh, cut, she is in the Friends episode, the one with the dirty girl, Friends fans. Wow, that's right. You Great know shout for the uh, Friends fans. So, yes, building on the, to get to the even better cameos, we've got Don Rickles as the movie theater owner. We've got John Goodman as the mayor of the town who gives <laughs> the opening speech for the pl- for the opera at the end. Absolute random, most random cameo ever. <laughs> and I was so just like, I literally, I literally like spit out my water as I was watching. Like, wait, what? John Goodman just showed up? Like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> it's so random. It's Shout so out random. Speed Racer. Shout out Coyote Ugly. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. Underappreciated John Goodman work. Wow. Yes. Um, then we have Gary Coleman. 
showing up in a couple in a couple hallucination scenes. Hysterical. So funny. And what's who's the boxer that he's in there with too? Um Ken Norton. Yeah, Ken Norton. Mm-hmm. And and the ring announcer is George Shavala, Canadian heavyweight champ. I did not know that. Unbelievable. And 73 18 and 2, George Shavala's record. Absolute legend. Wow. Wow. And then abs- and last but not least, unless I'm forgetting any, of course, the one and only Adam Sandler shows up as Satan himself. Yes. Only two years later to go on to play a similar character in Little Nicky. Yeah. Well, semi similar. Thoughts on Little Nicky? I love it personally. I think I, it's, wow. I think it's a I think it's an underrated one. Incredibly hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't use the term love, but I yeah, like maybe. It. <laughs> yeah, love. I might have gone a little overboard there. As I <laughs> <do sometimes. laughs> Let's just say it ain't in my top five Sandler movies. <laughs> no, it's not in my top. No, it's- Five zero Sandler movies. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but it's I dig it. I do dig it. It's in my top ten, Sam. That's for that's for top another 10? that's for another podcast. Wait a minute. Are you serious? <laughs> top ten? Yeah. All right. Maybe yeah, this is a whole separate podcast. Yeah. Whole separate. Anyway. Write it down. Write it down. Sam Sam the top five. Yeah. <laughs> I could easily do a top five right now. Not top ten. Save it. Yeah, we'll save All it. Right. We'll save it. All but right, let's keep going. We're going to keep it, keep the train moving. So anyways, to give you guys the the critics take on this, it got a 17% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. We got a 65% audience. So there you, you know, it definitely leans the opposite way for most viewers. And I checked into IMDb just to see if it was on that, you know, a similar page. And it was, it's 6.5 there. So literally exactly the same out of 10 um and yeah it was released specifically june 12th 1998 and it it didn't do too well at the box office i think it made about 13 million yeah 13 mils what i saw yeah. yeah which is also how much it cost to make and they shot most of the film in toronto and it ends up doing just for a little take on the box office it ends up doing really really well on dvd rentals and home video stuff and everything so it has become a cult classic to an extent still a bit of an underappreciated one with that said but it is a cult classic and i'd say that i i for one own it on vhs um wow so i am uh, i am part of that cult following for sure that's what we love to hear and I, th- I think that's the opening, really. Is there anything else, boys, that we need to dive into just to give the opening take? Or do we jump into a, a little summary of what the film's about? I think I'm, I'm ready for summary. Sum it up. All right. Very quick. Uh, we, I think we assume that by now, this movie came out in 98, so you should have seen it already. It's been 22 years. But just to bring us, <laughs> bring us back. Uh, so the movie starts with the two characters, Mitch and Sam, O's Norm and Artie Lang as kids. Uh, they're getting bullied a little bit. They We know that they like to play, play pranks. Fast forward uh, many years, I guess you'd say. And uh, they're both still kind of losers, let's say. Uh, Mitch just lost his job. He has to move in with Sam and Sam's dad, Pops, 
great name great name for all your dads if you want to call them pops um they go to a bar uh they meet the love interest of the movie kathy played by a friend trailer uh who is who mitch is trying to talk up basically they get into a bar fight uh they get their asses kicked in a bar fight Hmm. they later play a prank on this these frat guys that kick their ass and uh get them to get beat up by the police which is hilarious um right after this is kind of the main main driving force of the plot it's when pops has a heart attack so uh in order to get him a transplant they need to get fifty thousand dollars why because the the surgeon there is chevy chase and he needs fifty thousand to pay off his gambling debts and he is willing to do move pops up the heart transplant list to do that so they get a couple jobs try to raise money obviously they're not going to get 50 grand uh they end up at a movie theater where basically the boss don rickles is such a dick that the people pay them to basically prank him in the sort of like revenge prank that gets him fired uh they're so good at that that they decide this is their new business a revenge for hire business they so they do a couple pranks that are they're pretty hilarious they get this they're getting paid obviously not enough not fifty thousand, but then they eventually come to meet well, I'm just going to call Shooter McGavin. Let's be honest. They meet Shooter <laughs> McGavin, who is going to pay them fifty thousand to get a building condemned, um, which they do. Unfortunately, he didn't own that building, and it's he's just going to basically demolish it for his opera parking lot. So that sucks. They did something terrible, and they don't get fifty thousand. All leading to this ultimate conclusion of this outrageous revenge for hire culmination of all the different elements of the movie including these weird brownies prostitutes homeless people uh basically everything all coming together chris farley epic and they get this guy to give them the fifty thousand dollars and have him arrested and save the day that's dirty work and that's that's dirty work so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start us off. I, I, You guys have both seen this movie more recently than me. I definitely probably haven't seen it since the VHS days, probably mm-hmm. around 2000. It's, it's, I think right off the bat, what sticks out to me about this movie is that it's still kind of unique. Like, there's, I guess Norm doesn't have that much stuff in film, but like his just like dry delivery of all the lines in this is really sort of unparalleled in other things. And I would say it's one of those things that you either will love or hate and at the very least you should see it once but it's also not hard to understand why maybe it didn't do well in terms of critical reviews when it first came out but i don't know dill it's what do you think about this well as i alluded to before i own it on vhs so i'm 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 obviously a, a big fan of the movie and i think that you know for me one of the things in comedy in general that is annoys me is that like, for instance, Justin, you said that it has a poor rotten tomatoes, uh, uh, rating and it probably has a poor rating on IMDb as well. And I feel like a lot of comedies like dirty work, this is from 98, but even today you see comedies like, I'm going to say it because I know we talk about it a lot, but that that's my boy is another one that I think about. It's like these over the top kind of outrageous, they go for something unique in a way like you alluded to. Um, and it doesn't 
get there for the general critic review. But I just think that that's why a movie like Dirty Work has a cult following because it does touch on something special. And like the thing that fascinates me is it's an hour and 22 minutes. That's short for, for a movie. And the entire time I'm laughing, I'm smiling, I'm having a good time. And the concept in general, these two guys literally, um, you know, or revenge for higher business to get 50,000. I mean, it's brilliant. It's simple and it's brilliant. And there's so much fun to be had. And I love how every character, every setup, whether it's the brownies that make you hallucinate or the, or the prostitutes that they stick in the car, it all comes back around and it all connects. And to do that all in an hour and 22 minutes, it, it really, for me, fascinates me. And so I'm just, I'm a massive fan of the movie. And if you haven't seen it, God, do yourself a favor and just go have a laugh for an hour and 20. Well, if that isn't a ringing endorsement, I don't know what is. There you go. But I have to, I'll carry that on and just say, I mean, I agree with everything Dylan just said. It, I think something that sticks with me that Dylan just said is that you're laughing the entire movie and every single gag or character that's introduced for whatever reason, like he said, comes back around and you get a payoff. And it's like, there's not that many movies. I mean, there's, there's movies obviously that do that many, but there's not so many comedies that hit on every cylinder and are able to do it in such a short time span. I think if you count, if you take out the credits of the movie, I think it's literally like an hour and 16 minutes. And the fact that they're able to have you laughing every single minute of the movie is an achievement. There's, I, I can't think of a lot of movies in the past decade that have made me do that, let alone ever. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely special. And I think something special about dirty work is everyone obviously finds humor in different, different things and is into different types of humor. And I think that dirty work, something that it has as a strength is it, is it dips its toes into multiple forms of comedy. It, you know, if you like sort of more, um, if you like more physical comedy, they do have some physical comedy in there, but they also have so many like one liners, just like deadpan humor. You've got really raunchy jokes. You've got really, again, really silly, more physical aimed jokes. And the thing with dirty work is you have so many legendary comedians in it that you're just getting a bunch, a bunch of funny guys who all have maybe a different brand that's semi-similar of humor, all doing what they do best. And I got to give a special shout-out to Chris Farley because for such a legend that's been in so many, you know, for having his career cut so short and his life cut so short, he has quite a few pieces of work that everyone loves. And for me, this is maybe... Again, I'd have to go rewatch all his stuff, but... This is one of his most memorable roles for me. And it blows my mind that more people haven't seen this movie when it's like Chris Farley's last movie. He's fucking hilarious in it. The, mm-hmm. the, I mean, every time 
he talks about the Saigon Whore. The Saigon <laughs> <How do> you... <laughs> Whore. <laughs> Nose biter. Time to pay the fiddler whore. Yeah, at the very end. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's unbelievable. And Chevy Chase, too. It's like for a guy with yeah. such a such a storied career, it's like you, you sort of see him at the beginning of the, this and you're like, all right, is it just going to be a throwaway role? And it isn't at all. It's hilarious. Every time he comes back and he's got, you know, what happened to your foot? Then he's in a sling. It's, and it's, it's I love that you brought that up because that is one of my favorite runners of the entire movie. Like Chevy <laughs> Chase plays it so perfectly. Yeah, he really does. Like, he it, does. It, like it, it's, it makes me, it, he plays it in a way where he's like, so serious and so deadpan that you like don't know if you're supposed to be laughing but that's what makes me laugh so hard it's like every like you said every scene he has a new injury and every and like wait wait the thing that i did not catch until literally this rewatch is yeah. the the reason that he got into this situation in the first place with his bookies is because he bet against rocky and rocky three the yes, movie yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> and, and again it's one of those where like he delivers the line like he's listing so like good. uh it's like there's nobody to blame but myself. Well, maybe the Bills, the Red Sox, Mr. T, and then you have to wait for Norm to be like, wait a minute, yeah. you, are you saying you bet on Mr. T and Rocky? <laughs> you never bet against Rocky. I just was and like, then, and then Chevy just goes, hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend. <laughs> and then also, like, I love at the very end when like he finally gets the check for fifty thousand. He's like, oh, okay, should I? Should I go to my bookie or should I should I go? And then he's like, go to your bookie for love of God. Yeah, yeah when he's like, what do you say we bet? What do, what do you say we bet I don't go to my bookie right away? Uh, Dude, and I don't know if either of you guys have the exact line, but like the second injury when he's got like the foot, he's like, I don't understand. Like I thought when they cut off your toe for not paying your debts, like that would solve it. But then they still want the money. Yeah, he's like, even though they're going to kill you, he goes, they still want the money, even though they're going to kill me in three days. <laughs> um, so I, also, so I love that, that he just does – they do kill him at the end. <laughs> That's literally yeah. how the movie ends. He's like, oh yeah, but they still killed him, and he's dead. <laughs> so he's dead. <laughs> and one other line I wanted to shout out from him is, which, which honestly, it's so funny because when I think of Will Ferrell, I think of obviously his brand of humor, which he cultivated and made his own, sort of starting in the two thousand. I'd say starting really in the two thousands, and. Che- like you'd see you see obviously he took some inspiration from chevy chase because there's a couple lines in this that are so like will ferrell-esque before he's even come into the scene like as a heavy hitter like the line where when they're first talking to chevy and he's like he's like yeah you know i can uh i could sell you a hospital bed for uh six hundred dollars and then he's like i don't need a hospital bed and he's like all right playing hardball i see 550 and I'm just like, whether that's like reminiscent of Will Ferrell or just even some of the other guys later down the line in the Apatow films, it's like, you're like, wow, Chevy Chase, he really is one of the comedy giants, you know? And a lot of these guys picked from him. For sure. I mean, there's always the next guy up and that everyone has to learn from somebody. But yeah, I would 100% agree that, you know, a lot of the greats of today's era like the will ferrells the vince vaughn's you know probably took from chevy chase and for good reason definitely and i just thought it was interesting to sort of see some of that influence here 
uh, I hadn't thought about it that way just because it's been a, a few yeah. years at least since a rewatch. Yeah, and one another shout out really to him, and this is a theme that I think we have to talk about is even though we're heaping praise on the movie, this is also one of the best like comedy what ifs because we know the movie was intended to be R-rated yeah. as raunchy as possible and basically all of that stuff got cut. Right. Not even like replaced, just cut. So that's why it's so short. That's why at times it seems sort of stitched together. But to his credit, from the very beginning, Chevy was like, this movie needs to be R-rated. We need to fight this as much as possible because like, this is what's going to make it funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I love... I, I love that he fought for that, and and I, you know, I read up that you know he was the one who warned Norm and Artie like they're gonna the studio is gonna try to make you do it. Don't give in, and you know he. I love that he really believed in in this movie, um, and that's why he came on board. And it sounds like he was a great. You know, you, you hear mixed reviews about working with Chevy Chase, but it sounds like on this one he he was a delight, and he was really pushing for for greatness. And the one thing I will say about the whole R to pg-13 thing is yeah the what if thinking about that that sucks thinking about how how, if it could have been funnier right but for for um for the hand that they were dealt which i'm sure was this has to be pg-13 no ifs ands or buts about it um so i thought they did a good job and while it and that is probably why it's an hour and 22 but it makes it so tight that again i think it benefits from it and um, it makes you wonder, you know, but I wish that we could get that R-rated version one of these days. That, that'd be something. I fully agree. I do wish we could get that version one day. But, I, but I'm with you, Dylan, that especially this watch, I had done a little research prior to watching. So it was the first time I'd ever watched it knowing it was supposed to be an R and that yeah. they had had to cut stuff out. And to me personally it still didn't feel stitched together at all. I felt like it flowed very well. And like you said as well, it's so tight. I'm typically the type of person, I love a good hard R. I love the raunchy comedies. I know all three of us do. For sure. And this movie doesn't really need it. I like, I've read about how, you know, Norm and Artie and whatnot and, and, and Chevy that they, they're all a little bit disappointed about the film because it was supposed to be this hard R and I've read into some of the scenes that were taken out and none of them to me. I mean, there's one that will I'll share in a moment that sounds like it would have been fun, but none of it to me, unless there's a ton of stuff none of us know anything about, it doesn't sound that crucial. And I, I love the film as is. I just I, I hope they're proud of it because it's fucking hilarious and it it doesn't really suffer in my eyes for being PG-13. I, I fully agree. I mean, just to bookend that, I mean, yeah, I th- couldn't agree more. And I think that it just doesn't seem like the tone feels raunchy. It feels like they honestly knocked it out of the park for being almost a PG-13 movie that you wonder, wait, was it rated R? Because it's like, it sh- you're like, it should have been, but it, it, it was not that tone. It didn't need that for the tone. It was just so funny as is. Um, and I'm curious to hear what the one scene that you thought would be good was that was rated R the rated R scene just oh the, so the one rated R scene that I've heard a couple times about through a couple of these guys is um, that there is apparently a scene where let me let me there's a scene where they deliver donuts 
to I believe it's the frat guys. <laughs> like and th- anyways, they these frat guys open up these donuts and at the bottom of the box there's pictures of Norm and Artie and the donuts around their around their dicks. And, and were so, they going to have the full nudity? I believe so. That's that's the way that it was that's the way that it was sort of said online, at least, that they would have had the full nudity. And what's very funny is it's very reminiscent of the scene that would come out a few years later in that, in Van Wilder, which is National Lampoon. That's the scene where, you know, they have the, the dog. They pump the jizz from the dog into the into the, the base trees, and then all those guys eat oh, them. Jesus Christ. Part of me wonders if the inspiration for that scene was this script, given that there definitely were some of the same people behind the scenes that ran in similar circles. Mm. So, but it, it would have been keeping in mind that the Van Wild Van Wilder hadn't come out yet. I think it would have been very funny because I remember that was one of like the iconic scenes when Van Wilder first came out. Um, but with that said, it still doesn't feel. None of the stuff that I've read about added or that was changed, because, again, they dub over a few lines. If you guys noticed, like, in the yeah. jail, the anal rape one, the after oh. after after he gets uh, after. So, so Norm MacDonald, Mitch, he gets unfortunately raped by a few guys in prison, which is dealt with in a very light manner. But uh, when he comes out and he's like yelling at the guys and he's like, yeah, saying stuff when he says, um, what does he say? He says. Pretty much when he's saying like the worst part was the lack of respect or he says something like that, but he's like, and he's like, yeah. well, you know, besides the other thing and if you look at his mouth when he says the other thing he actually says anal rape which would have been hilarious yeah yeah so and apparently they had to do that a few times throughout the movie because they didn't have like alternate scene shot or anything yeah but again it just doesn't really take away from the film at all in my opinion and it sounds like you definitely agree though yeah good eye on that by the way I, i was trying to look out for the places where they had to you know dub over their voices but i couldn't see find any moments so good eye thank you that was the only one i could see and then i was looking online and shit yeah i well i agree with you guys that it doesn't take i mean it's still a great film uh it's just you have to sort of wonder a bit and i do think also just that like when you think about it like there's hookers in every scene so (laughs) on some level like it is raunchy but Norm's deadpan delivery and like he's just like I don't even know how you say it. Like it's he almost has an attitude like um oh Jesus. Uh Ron Livingston in office space where it's like it like it's almost like he's hypnotized because he just has that like same personality throughout and he never yep. gets jogged. He just like says everything with like a sly smile. So even when there's hookers everywhere and he's just like Okay, settle down, prostitutes. <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious. Yeah, oh, that's I love I, that. I will say one last thing about the R rating. What was very interesting 
was that that same year, I believe it was that summer, um, There's Something About Mary came out. Yeah. Which was an R-rated comedy and revitalized that the entire scene of R-rated comedies. So it's just yeah. funny. If they had released maybe a couple months after that, kept it R, it maybe yeah. would have been a much bigger hit. Maybe. But, you know, we'll I know, that know. I think I think that we all agree as well. I mean, the R-rated comedy has been like a type of movie that's just gone up and gone down for its entire, you know, the, as long as I've been alive. You know, sometimes they're popular in the theater. Sometimes they're the one that no studio wants to make. And currently it's the one that no one wants to make. And I, I, I'm hoping in the valley right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... One thing that I wanted to uh, touch on as well before we run too far away from it, uh, we talked about it a little bit, uh, just you and I, like the gags throughout the movie and how they all come around and just the runners. And I just want to talk about a few few of uh, our favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, We already touched on the the Farley nose runner that just goes through the whole movie that's just hilarious. (laughs) How we meet him with a bit off nose and he explains to us that uh, Saigon whore bit it off and then at the end of the movie uh it all comes back around he gets the new nose and you're like oh and then he's with the saigon whore who bits bites his nose off again i thought that is absolutely hysterical and then the, the chevy chase one that we talked about with his gambling problem but then a few others that we didn't touch on that i thought were just really well placed is like just the simple note to self tape recorder runner throughout the movie oh, with man. with norm's character mitch is brilliant brilliant and how that's what saves them in the end is also brilliant. Like they set it up so early in the movie. It's like the first in his introduction. He's like, uh, note to self. And and I just think that those are hilarious throughout the movie. All the ones that he says to himself. 100%. Um, and then how it, like I said, it, it, that's what I'm trying to point out is like, they were really clever with their runners throughout this movie. And not all comedies do that. A lot of comedies have funny runners, funny gags that, you know, are just there to be funny. And you can do that in comedy. But the thing about Dirty Work that I don't think gets enough praise is that a lot of their runners really pay off. And another one is like this simple thing when they eat the brownie for 50 bucks as try, and they're, when they're trying to just make money for Pops' heart surgery and Norm hallucinates, and then it winds up coming back as well in the final bit, um, as Mike, you alluded to. Uh, and I just, I love how these runners just come, keep coming back throughout the movie, and like Mitch getting thrown into out of buildings and into dumpsters. Just yep. All can that we stuff. also can we also say no? <laughs> oh my god, incredible! <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that's Dude, such... i do also love how mitch keeps getting thrown out it's very like fresh prints yeah like how they do it it happens like maybe five times yes. yeah it does i think that's exactly how many times it happens Dude, my favorite my favorite note to self that has absolutely nothing to do with anything else that's happening. <laughs> Remember to get ass war cream yeah. for yeah. giant yeah. war on my ass. <laughs> Which funny enough. It, that was one of the ones that was gonna be changed for a raunchier thing. And I think that's so hilarious. It is I'm hilarious. like yeah. And I love how Norm like is very casually like, oh it's not that no no, not that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then, like, oh what's God. the one where he's just like, someone says, "Oh yeah, the beard." I love when the bearded lady's just like, oh, yeah. "Hey, you ever been with a woman with a beard?" And then he's like, "No." And he goes, "Well, you haven't lived, honey." And then he goes, "Note to self: 
I don't want to live. <laughs> Wait, and even I even like the line before that where she says, "Have you ever been with with someone with a beard?" And he goes, "Can't say that I have there, bearded broad." <laughs> <laughs> I also love how many times they say "broad" in this movie. Yeah, Pops, um, that's hilarious. That's another gag. Like Pops just saying "broad" or asking if they got him a whore in pretty much every scene. Oh yeah, and then it's yes. the end. also the yeah, exactly. also the end when he's like talking about now that he's met uh, <laughs> the woman in the opera. Now that he's met, no, now that he's met Kathy's uh, granny grandmother, oh oh when he's just like, now that I've met her, I hope they can fix something else. It rhymes with cock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, also, I'm just gonna say hot take: uh, Kathy's mother, worst actor in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, hot yeah. take. I don't know what she's yeah. Oh yeah, that's her mother. That's her mother, of course. There's there's the moment where um Norm's character Mitch is like he goes in like and he's just like, All right, Travis Cole, like Shooter McGavin's character, he's like, Travis Cole fucked us all and and blah 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 blah. So what do you say? Are you with me? And then no one's like says anything's like if I fail, you all can kick my ass. Are you with me? And like everyone like explodes and the mother's reaction is so god awful (laughs) that it takes me out of the scene entirely. Oh, amazing! Big amazing. Shout out to whoever you are. We're very sorry. <laughs> yeah, shout out. I'm so sorry, but I had to call you out there. Dude, uh, maybe last thing on pops. Can we talk about the the aerobic video that he's watching? Oh, in the beginning? I don't know about you guys, but I went so deep on this aerobics video. I oh, did as well, so, dude. So first, the guy that directed Ron Harris. <laughs> Apparently, in the early '80s, he just directed like a string of semi-erotic aerobic videos, <laughs> including this one and one called Size, which was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Oh and my then god! He, straight up, he should have worked for Playboy Television, like in the '90s. Like he deliberately made these erotic, like aerobics videos. Incredible! What, what, shout out to Ron Harris. Shout what out to Ron Harris. That's huge. Something just came to mind when you said beginning of the movie, guys. Opening freaking five minutes, we get semi charmed life as the oh song. My god. I lost with it. Norm wins. Norm, yeah, I know me too. I was like, oh my god, right How'd after that song, <laughs> right after he gets fired from the pizza job. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, I lost it. The, the soundtrack on this film is great. Yeah, yeah they had great. the Pina Colada song, which is hilarious. Chumbawamba's in there too. Yeah, right? Chumbawamba yeah, tub thumping. They got some Green Day in there. Oh, yeah, they do have yes. Green Day. It was amazing. Oh, and Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, of course. Oh, of AC course. DC. Iconic. I mean, they got some really great songs. I mean, sounds like most of their budget went there because they got some killers. Yep. Can we also, by the way, that I don't know why that reminded me, but the one last running gag I need to bring up. Yes. The, the worker of Travis Cole's Martin. It goes from working to him to being homeless. <laughs> to then the oh, running gag yeah, with the yeah. recurring like yeah. heartfelt speeches. Yes. yes. Here's your two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's I so also speaking good. of the homeless people, like I know we're not into it yet, but maybe it's a good time to go into our top fives. But one scene that I love is just when um, the homeless guys are in the movie theater and the writer of the movie <laughs> is walking through the ho- in the aisle and he's like, did you fart? And he's just like, oh no, that was me. I farted earlier. Yeah, yeah, that was me. And it's just like, it's just so funny how he delivers the line. 
Dude, the, little, the little bits like during the whole sort of uh carrying out of the revenge thing at the end like that and the the, the guy in the audience that just loves the opposite yes, 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 yes. loving it more and more well <laughs> wait a second can i can i tangent like beautifully right now can we are we ready for top five yes because that is one of my top five so wow. i'd love to start off with it all right, so we're doing top five like funny scenes. Top five, our top five favorite moments or funniest scenes for us. Okay. Yes, yes. So the, that gag where that one guy in the audience thinks the disastrous rendition of Don Giovanni is a masterpiece, it absolutely <laughs> slays me. It comes out of nowhere. It is so <laughs> brilliant for keeping that scene going and and just like hilarious because it's like what's happening is disastrous and just like kind of like chaotic but that keeps it grounded comedically and and then like so i think it's like first pops comes out on the stage and he's just and the guy's just like this is the most daring rendition of john giovanni i've ever seen and i'm just dying and then i think when the skunks come out he's just like they're adding skunks to add real tension to the audience and then (laughs) by the end he's literally giving a standing ovation i'm in tears by the end of that sequence because of that guy so that's the only one left in the theater. The only one left in the theater. Maybe he's there with his woman. I, I forget. I forget. But um, that is one of my top five favorite moments for sure. Oh my god! So that's we're gonna say that's number five. That is number five. Mike, you want to give your number five? Okay, my number five. I do have one that also takes place in the opera, but that's later on. My number five is just the very beginning when he gets fired from the pizza place. And he, he goes back and he's like trying to say that the guy didn't get the pizza because he was just saying all these bad things about him. He's like so, something about like you can have these Italian fruits, like come over here and get it. And then he just goes, oh, and also he started saying all these nasty things about that Mussolini character. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, that's, how, that's, that's a moment that's like so like subtle, subtly brilliant and just make, yeah, it just cracks you up. And there's so many of those too. It's like with their jokes, really, really impressed. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I, my number five actually is a scene that we just already mentioned. It is when Martin, who is now homeless, goes into his whole heartfelt speech after they just had run through the building and it gets the music, the music, you know, goes up. It's really heartfelt. It's like zooming in on Martin's face. And then all of a sudden it just like cuts out. <laughs> and it just goes, here's your $2. And they... <laughs> I'll just never forget the first time I saw it. I lost my mind. And I'll never forget my buddy Elliot. He just lost it when he saw that scene and just he has this hilarious life it just it's a memory i love that scene top five well that's great i love it when a when a comedic moment brings a memory between friends how lovely um but seriously the delivery of norm there is what makes that (laughs) and just like the cutting the editing and then the delivery of norm's line it just makes that an absolutely hilariously laugh out loud moment great top great uh great fives all around gang um i'll keep us going with my number four uh, I'll bring us back to the top of the movie. Um, I love so much the bar fight scene 
uh, at the very beginning of Crack <laughs> Guys. And the, the moment that I specifically love, the comedic moment that just gets me, is when Chris Farley just goes up to the jukebox and the guy's just like, the guy's like, you got a good song for this fight? And he goes, hell yeah. And then he goes, street fighting man, Rolling Stones, G7. And then he literally clicks eight. And then he goes, you click G8. And then you see Chris Farley's face just like all flustered. And then in comes, do you like pina coladas? And then the fight just breaks out. And it's such a brilliant moment. And I just, I adore it. Just, just part of the Farley epicness there, and and fun fact about that, I don't know if either of you guys saw this. That I did the, take it home. Yes, that so the guy that he yells hell yeah at did not know that Farley was going to do yeah. that, and so when you see the, the guy Mike Anscombe, and Anscombe is his name, that when his eyes get wide really quick, it's a genuine reaction because he had no fucking idea that was about to happen. Yeah. So brilliant. Brilliant. Mike, what's your four? All right. So my four, I'm, I'm changing it on the fly. Wow. Just because we already like talked about it. But uh, yeah, so my number four was like the very beginning when we meet Chevy Chase and he just starts talking about how like if like he was, comes up with the hypothetical odds and he's like, even with these odds, I would bet on your father dying. <laughs> and then like, and then, he's, and then it's like Norm is like, it's like geez that was sudden he's like well i thought the gambling analogy would help <laughs> but i'm changing it to also at the bar just when norm sits there and he's like well things could be worse you know could have got my nose bit off by a saigon or and then he just like introduces farley it's just so good oh my god amazing um all right my number four is a line that again just like is one that I feel like is one of the most quotable. Even if honestly on the rewatch it didn't make me laugh as many as others, I think it's just a brilliant fucking line and I love it. Is when he goes, when he looks, he sees Kathy across the street after he had just met her at the bar that morning. He goes, Mildred, hey Mildred, <laughs> hey Mildred, wait up. Oh, hi Mitch. <laughs> I guess you forgot my name. It's not Mildred. It's Kathy. Oh, no. You never told me, so I just guessed. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> it's so hilarious, and Mildred is the absolute perfect name. Perfect. It's so good. It's, so it's like good. even coming up with Mildred as the name, like that is a genius part of writing. Correct. And that's where the cleverness just keeps getting me because think about it. If you just said some other random name like Deborah, it's not as funny. Mildred no. is hilarious. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Dude, what's your number three? So my number three is um, during their, like, initial, let's call it, you know, trial run where they start the uh, revenge for hire business and we see them do them. Uh, The one where basically the rich guy in the the wealthy neighborhood hires them because the house next door is way too loud, like, up at, like, 4 (laughs) a.m. So he's like, I just need you to freaking like tell him to quiet down. He goes, all right, if, if he's making it hard for you to live in your house, we'll make it hard for them to live in theirs. And they go in to plant the fish in the mansion. And they're literally like doing the fish. And then the guys come home for a drug deal. And they're like, and then uh, Artie and uh, Norm are like, okay, go in this room. And then like, they're just like laughing, like, ha, 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 ha. like they're just giggling with fish in their hands. And then all of a sudden it results in a shootout because th- 
one of the guys was like, dude, your house smells like fish. And he takes it as disrespect and like whatever goes into an absolute bloody mayhem shootout. And both of their faces just go from like schoolboys to just absolutely mortified until Norm McDonald just drops the fish and everyone in the building is dead. And then the, the gag finally ends when the guy from Hexor comes in and goes, would you keep it down in here? And then he goes, oh my God. Oh my God, what did you do? And then Norm says something like, so can you pay us now? And then it's just like out out of scene. I just think that it's such a brilliant sequence. Um, and that's my number three. Oh my God. Okay, so I have the same number three. Oh my God, but, amazing. But I specifically wrote the scene where they're holding the fish. Yeah, but there's just like how long it goes on for, like at least a full minute where they don't say anything. <laughs> They literally like you just see them like occasionally blinking, but otherwise they're like exactly perfectly still for like an entire minute. And it's and it's just, yeah, the escalation in the background. Where it's like, oh my god, now he's using my chainsaw against me. <laughs> it's, it's just so good. Can we also just take a moment to also credit the hilarity of after it all happens and like they walk out of the room, then Norm looks back and Artie is just still putting the baby. <laughs> and something that i would love to ask norm or Artie or bob saget would be you know was that scripted that way that we would stay on norm mcdonald and Artie lang the whole time or it was that a bob saget move you know that's something i'd love to ask really? because that was so brilliant you know that's what made that scene funny if you just see everyone killing each other it's not as funny it's kind of horrifying but keeping it on them is just brilliant so was that in the script or was that bob's idea you know i'm very curious about that wow bob please come on the podcast and tell us yeah we'd love it i almost just called it the bobcast I guess it would be the Bobcast for the day if Bob came on. Amen. Um, that that scene is so memorable. I yeah. I was I almost included it, didn't include it, but leading into, I have a different number three than you guys, and this is such a small little scene, but I cackled, and it's in the first five minutes. It's when they're introducing both their characters and they're they're you know their kids growing up, and. Mitch, all of a sudden, you know, because he's narrating, he goes, he goes, I didn't take crap from anybody. He goes, this Doberman would always chase us. He goes, so he borrowed my cousin's huge German shepherd one day, who also happens to be gay, taught that Doberman some humility as they show the German shepherd just fucking the Doberman. From and then Norm just goes, Mitch just goes, those were the days. <laughs> There's so many like good little moments just in that first like two minutes. I know the boy's trying to take his money and he's like no because i don't think you're gonna use this for milk (laughs) (laughs) oh it's that opening montage is so so good it's really good um wow already down to number two already down to number two my number two is iconic it is the sequence where they destroy the building at 99 Franklin while Dirty Deeds wow. by ACDC is playing. But Ooh. to specify this number two, I'm going to give you my favorite moment from that iconic sequence, which is when 
Artie is throwing fireworks into toilets and they're exploding, but then he throws the firework into one toilet and it doesn't explode. So he like kind of like raises an eyebrow and just like goes back to take a dump. (laughs) And (laughs) as he's taking a dump for King of Magazine, it just explodes while he's shitting. (laughs) It's just like so hilarious. And he basically just like shrugs it off. (laughs) Amazing. All right, my number two is the entire sequence of Chris Farley with the skunks. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's basically like just Chris Farley like unloaded. Like it's just him doing the Chris Farley thing, going so extra, so yep. like for like a few different like scenes cut to him. But then also just the quote, they say in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. <laughs> or in the land of the skunk. The man with half a nose is king. <laughs> so outrageous. You gotta wonder if that was all Chris Farley improv or what. <laughs> Who knows? It's so I, I really wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah. I oh just I love that scene so much, Mike. I'm so glad that uh you had that in your top five. Yeah, that is that is an that's an iconic scene from the film. And my number two is actually it's another Chris Farley scene. Yes. It is the scene where where so Chris Farley's character's named Jimmy in this for everyone listening if we haven't mentioned that yet. But Mitch is sitting at the bar with Jimmy after sort of everything has come out where it comes out that you know he is also Pops's son and Sam's really mad at him and he's just down in the dumps totally, but he's he's doesn't have anywhere to stay. He's at the bar. Oh, yes. He's sitting with Jimmy and and Chris Farley goes, "You ever need anything? Anything at all? You come to me." And then immediately Mitch goes, "Can I stay at your place tonight?" He goes, "Well, you see, I live over at the Y." He goes, "I got a roommate, old Jack, who gets a little particular when it comes to strangers." And then <laughs> Mitch immediately just like, "Yeah, no worries. I'll figure it out." And Farley as he does so great just carries it on he goes he just got his knee drained last week he needed it too that thing was getting a little bit ripe and then, <laughs> then mitch just goes yeah yeah i'm just gonna sleep in my car and farley keeps it going he goes old jackson odd duck many times i find him staring at me sleeping it's very off-putting and then there's like a moment of silence and he goes, his feet bleed. <laughs> and Mitch just yells, I don't want to stay at your place. He goes, oh, oh, point taken, point taken, Mitch. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant scene. <laughs> oh, I just died. I literally had to rewatch it because I was dying so much during it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's really three scenes where Farley just gets to go off. Like that one, uh, the one I said, and then the very end of the movie. He's obviously yeah. great throughout, but like where they just give him these like two minute chunks to just be ridiculous. Like, do your thing, my man. Do your thing. Yeah. Do yeah. your thing. Well, Farley. we've come, we've come down to it. We're at number one. We have. I have a feeling we might have the same number one, though. Well, let's, let's hear yours. I've told you this before, Justin. So I'm sure that it is. If you're already guessing that, so this scene. It's not just my favorite scene in this movie. It, it's one of the funniest scenes in comedy, period, in my humble opinion. It's easily the top five hardest I've ever laughed. And <laughs> for sure, the first time I watched it, and I'd say every time I watch it, I, I just 
I cry from laughter because it the comedic timing is so brilliant. And it's, <laughs> it's the scene where they finally, um, Mitch and Sam, Artie and Norm's characters, finally know that they're brothers. And they go up to the rooftop to talk how it changes things. And Sam's, Sam's Artie Lang's character is like, you know, man, like, this changes things. And Norm's like, well, how? And he's like, well, remember when we were younger and, you know, we, we cut our hands so we could be blood brothers? He's like, well, we did that for nothing because we already were blood brothers. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Norm's like, oh, yeah, dude. And then remember in the sixth grade when your sister was climbing the monkey bars and I snuck a peek at her underwear? I was sneaking a peek at my own sister's underwear. And then literally with the absolute <laughs> perfect timing, Artie Lane just goes, yeah, you were in the 12th grade when you had sex with her? <laughs> and it's just the most, it's just the most disturbing and most hilarious moment ever in this movie. And like I said, top five hardest i've ever laughed in a movie in general i can't tell you how much i love that scene and it's all because of the comedic timing of those two brilliant masterminds norm mcdonald and Artie lang Dude, what's, what's great about that is that even though it's Artie, like the timing is really similar to when norm has a similar moment when he first uh, pops gives him the locket or he's like it's you and my mom and they're having sex <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it's it's too good, and you know, obviously, you know, Dylan and me, Dylan, Dylan and me are brothers, so we grew up together. We talk, we've obviously talked about the movie, but that that scene we always talk about together, and I cannot wait. I'm keeping that in mind, Dylan, for when we do top five hardest we've ever laughed at scenes. That's in his top five right there. I'm top five, and I believe it because he loves this scene. I, when I think of this scene, I think of you. And it also is my number one. So we, we do share the same number one. But yeah, you're you're who I think of when I think of this scene, though. I love it so much. It's just a shocking, a shocking line that is, like I said, delivered with such comedic timing that it slays me. <laughs> just their faces going so straight. Just yeah, like, <laughs> it stops. And then Norm, okay, enough reminiscing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I also love when they're on the roof earlier. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's like, dude, are you pissing? He's just kind of. He's just kind of. And then at the end, the guy comes up and he goes, man, that was a hell of a piss. Let's talk about that scene. Let's go a little deeper into that scene for a second. Okay, they're talking about something like serious in that scene. And that's how, why they're brilliant comedic writers because they said we need a gag in this scene so it's not just like dramatic like there has to be some laugh so they start the scene with him pissing and then end it with that guy coming up it's brilliant dude it's yeah, absolutely it's so so good. amazing um, amazing all right my number like, one give it to is us. dead hookers and trunks <laughs> what i what i specifically like about this scene is that like amidst all the chaos which is hilarious in itself the totally calm deadpan delivery of norm on all of his lines that contrast with that is just so good where he's like oh my god it's a dead hooker in the trunk and he's like no it's not and he just goes pal i know a dead hooker when i see one yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh my god it's another dead hooker in the trunk and it's just like oh god it just fucking gets me dude yeah and then he's like i've never seen so many dead hookers in my life <laughs> And also, then just, the crowd goes, well, I have, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
And then can we also we cannot leave out the legendary cut to Chris Farley sitting in the bar. And there's the Saigon hooker that bit my nose off. And then he just runs out of the bar. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god. So wait, Jess, we did your number one, right? We did. So mine's the same as Dylan's. Uh the <laughs> remember in the twelfth grade, you had sex with her. Oh, it's just so good. Um, right. I've got a few other quotes that we didn't hit. I think we did most of them, but some other one-liners that we didn't get are, I love when uh, they're playing the prank with like the cops where they call the frat guys and they're like, all these fake cops are running around. And then he just picks up the phone and goes, hello, real cops? (laughs) (laughs) Just so silly. And then I love... Go uh, going off that real quick, sorry, uh, is I uh, to tie in the frat guys. I love how later in the movie, when like Norm and Artie are like not talking because he's mad about fi- finding out pops about their dads, and then Norm's just like in the store by himself, and the frat guys come in, and then they're like, "Hey, that was a real funny prank you pulled on us, Barney." And then Norm's like, "Oh, really? You thought it was funny?" He's like, "I mean, we thought it was hilarious, but you guys got your asses kicked." Like, and he says it seriously. <laughs> also around that that same time after they find out they're brothers there's the scene where where kathy where trailer is like you guys are brothers and norm is like well it's a long story (laughs) yes 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 yes. dad boned his mom he goes okay it's a short story (laughs) (laughs) oh that was that was almost in my top five that was that was one i have written down um so so many good quotes oh my god it's such a good quotable movie it's like like, this one was kind of low-key a low-key one but i i I clocked it this time around because again it's just like i love it it's when they're um he wants they're starting talking about starting the dirty work business in general and Artie's like dude like no one has a revenge for hire business and then norm's like we should be the first revenge for hire business there's always got to be a first like the guy who started the first pizza delivery or the guy who invented crack and it's just like <laughs> just so perfect <laughs> oh yeah dude speaking of running gags we didn't touch How about the landlord that just punches people in the <laughs> yeah. and then in the very beginning right after they do that it's like if you don't pay i'm gonna punch you in the stomach and he's like uh, oh yeah, you could, like that's Sam's department, right, Sam? <laughs> Sam's like, yeah, yeah, that's my department. And then at the very, very end of the movie, he punches Sam in the stomach. He's like, I wonder why I didn't punch you in the stomach too. It's genius. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, wonder why. Love it's that. amazing. And then like, even just like the small bit about how the brownies come back, like the brownies that they they do the experiment for like a job, and then they end up using those on the guys that work at the opera house later. It's like everything comes back. But another line I wanted to drop was when, uh, (laughs) when Mitch and Sam go to deliver the initial bad news to pops about that, they didn't get the money. And then pops tells Sam that Mitch is also his son. And when he shows Sam, when he's like, show him the locket and then he shows him the locket, and he goes, you cheated on mom? And then Pops just goes, no, she was there too. Who do you think took the picture? Yeah, that is such a great <laughs> moment. Such a savage line. I love that. I know. Oh, oh my God. So uh, good. Also, just so many good note to self. Like besides the ones that we've said, just like a random one that le- that I just enjoyed was when he's like laying in the back of the car and he's like, note to self, no matter how bad life gets, there's always beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
it's just there's so many it's but but seriously everyone is great in this film it's you know what's actually a funny a random thing that i thought was so interesting so did you guys see in some of the trivia and like the fun facts that are out there online that there are two james bond posters in the film did you guys see that so and what's more interesting is they bring up sean connery in the scene where they're explaining like why that Mitch always says the extended no when he's lying, which is so funny that they then have, I know that it's one of the films doesn't even have Connery in it. It's tomorrow never dies. The other one's from Russia with love. I think that one's with Con- Sean Connery, isn't it? I'm like, I got to look uh, that up right now to check. I don't think so, but I'll look it up. I just remember no, that, that is a, a that Sean is a Connery. Sean Connery one. Okay. And so, but the line, the line, just to just to deliver the line, he uh, he <laughs> pretty much Sam's calling him out. He's like, you know, you always you, you always say no like that when you're lying. And Mitch is like, no, I don't. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, look, look, he's like, Mitch, have you have you ever robbed a bank? No. Have you ever climbed Mount Everest? No. Did you ever say that you can see why women find Sean Connery sexy? No. <laughs> okay so i like kathy <laughs> yeah it's i love that was actually in my honorable mention uh moments so amazing yeah anyone else have anything else interesting to say about dirty work some fun facts I've, perhaps i've got i've got one fun fact that i'm not sure if any of you caught so in the movie theater when they're getting don rickles fired and they play men in black who love to have sex with each other which mm-hmm. like the few lines that they have in the background is hilarious, by the way, where they're just like, oh, aliens, I guess we should have sex with each other. <laughs> I saw, I don't know if like this is the only trailer that came out or whatever, but in the trailer that I was able to find, they show like that bit of the scene. And again, this is like 1998. And then like, instead of men in black who love to have sex with each other on the screen, horribly superimposed like you could tell that it's done like way after at like the worst quality level instead the movie is called harry peter and the sorcerer's bone what oh my god oh my yeah god. which is also this is 98 so the first harry potter movie didn't even come out so this is like literally the book Holy that moly. they're like making fun of that is wow i did not catch that i have no idea how that got there or where it went but it's i'm sad wow. that it was lost wow wow Dill, you have any fun facts? You know, I think I'm fun fact it facted out. Um, I've got a couple. You guys want to hear them? Sure. Yes, sir. We like so. Fun. This 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 is very interesting, actually. This one. So during production of this film, Norm was in a feud with with Don Allmeyer who was an executive at NBC at the time. And it was all because this guy, Don, he was friends with OJ, OJ Simpson. And he was offended by the fact that Norm was making frequent jokes about OJ on the weekend update portion of SNL. So he literally had Norm MacDonald fired from SNL. And he took it a step further and refused to sell advertising space or air any commercials for Dirty Work on NBC. 
And it wasn't until a week after the film came out that NBC eventually agreed to run ads because of the fact oh, this guy, Olmeyer, Don Olmeyer, he was forced into retirement not long after this, but pretty crazy, like behind the scenes thing right there. And and pretty fucking crazy that this guy was so pissed off at Norm MacDonald that he wouldn't even let Dirty Work trailers run on NBC. Also, super aged like milk that he was just holding it out for OJ. Just <laughs> not a good, not a good take in retrospect. No, no, not at all. And. uh Another fun one is Howard Stern was the initial person offered the cameo role as Satan, but he turned it down and then they gave it to Sandler. It's another fun one. Um, I'm like, let's see if I've got any other juicy ones for you. I, you know what? I think that's about it. Oh, you know, there's, there's, I got one more for you. Pretty much initially the role of Hamilton, that's who Don Rickles plays in the film, the movie theater owner. Initially they thought about getting Rodney Dangerfield, but because of how much the character was like this guy that threw these really like crazy insults, they got Don Rickles because he has such a famous reputation of being an insult comic. And they decided it wasn't really Rodney's thing. I think he ended up ad-libbing most of those insults, right? Yeah. I read something online that like they did a full take where he was just legitimately like insulting the the hell out of them. Like not (laughs) just not their characters, just like them as people. And they, I think they used like one or two lines from it. Dude. Also, how about Chris Farley's brother in that scene? I want, is he credited in the movie? Which scene is it? That one where oh, like, he's movie. like the like manager, like the slightly senior guy uh, at the movie theater. Oh, that, like wow. first tells them that he'll pay, he'll pay them like 10 or 20 bucks or whatever to do the revenge thing. Wait, who? Oh, my God. I didn't even fucking didn't realize, realize that. Now that you're saying it, it's so, oh, so, my God. Maybe he's not credited either. Maybe both Farley's aren't credited. Wow. I'm not sure. But... All I do know is this movie is a goddamn treasure and it's an absolute crime that it's not held in a higher regard on on many of these, you know, all-time comedy lists. Just even comedy lists of like the 90s and whatnot. It it truly I believe has a laugh in every minute of the film, which again, that is that is a feat. I can I can think of a few movies like that, but I can't think of a ton. And it's it's a special gift, and it's an especially special gift that it was PG-13, because I really can't think of a lot of PG-13 ones that do it. I can think of a, maybe maybe one or two off the top of my head. For me, Anchorman, but I, I, I can't really think of another right now. Um, I mean, I think that I think that the Sandler movies do it. Uh, you know, the old ones. You know, Big Daddy and True uh, and Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. But I think that it's interesting what you said, like how it's not regarded. And I think that it's because if you look at it, like Sandler was a superstar, and unfortunately mm-hmm. Norm didn't have that same superstar, um, you know, status that Sandler did. You know, you put Sandler in Dirty Work, 
first of all, love Sandler, love the Sandman to death, but it, I think Norm Norm crushes this role. I don't know if Sandler would have added more to the table, but I'm saying as far as a popularity standpoint, to put Sandler in, it gets more eyes on it. I think, unfortunately, Norm not being um, a known leading man hurt the movie, but it, you know, anyone who actually sees it knows that Norm, Norm can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... Yeah, I mean, look, if somehow you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, which I find very hard to believe, then go see it. If you've seen it and you agree with us that it's that it's great, tell your friends to see it if they haven't. And if you're looking for another Norm McDonald's film, go see Screwed. It's even less talked about than Dirty Work and very, very funny as well. So also shout out to Norm in the Bob Saget roast. Oh my god. Yes. One of the most like sort of I guess is now properly appreciated. Cult for a while, now properly appreciated. Even more deadpan than this movie. Wow. To the point where it's just absolutely hysterical. How fitting. Yes. Norm is just wow, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And you know, there is a world where we might get a dirty work sequel one day. I don't know if you guys saw this. Rumors are the latest 2018. Yeah, 2018. Norm said, you never know. I mean, his his exact quote isn't as optimistic, but he says what he said. He said, it was an R-rated movie, so we made it that way. Then they made it PG-13, so half the movie had to be cut. So it's hard for me to see it objectively. There might be another one coming now, I guess. Didn't really go any further, but apparently he made some other comment that same year saying uh, he, he was thinking about writing a sequel based on how popular it's been on, you know, on demand and all that and whatnot. But Love it. hey, I'd welcome it. Bring bring back all the players that are still alive and make it happen. Although we yeah, wouldn't man. be having we wouldn't have Farley, we wouldn't have Chevy Chase. We obviously would not have Jack Warden. We definitely would be missing a few heavy hitters. Definitely doesn't need a sequel. But hey, if Norm feels up to the ha- t- up to the task, I trust him. There you go. Anyways, I think we that's could, it, boys. We could potentially get an Ari Lang nose bit, though. Oh, my God. That's that might so come true. true. <laughs> Bring it right back to the nose from the beginning of this. Oh. Holy shit. That would be unbelievable. Maybe it'll oh, so be Ari's big comeback. Because I just have to ask, why did you say we're not going to get Chevy Chase? because he dies in the first one. Oh shit <laughs> yeah, that's how the movie ends so i was like dead. i was like does justin think chevy chase is dead <laughs> oh my god no the funny no. thing was i was gonna answer that with because he's basically everyone says he's a dick so I like... <laughs> and i just want to say he... we can bring him back we never saw him die on screen that's we can bring true. him back. that's true there could be some yeah. hilarious reason that he's still alive Oh man. Well, unless anyone else has anything else to add, I I think that might be a wrap on dirty work. Alrighty. We did it. Hey, it's uh everyone, this has been this has been Dylan's first episode. Welcome him on here. You know, tell us how much you love him. And as usual, if you want to reach us, you can email us at top fives and deep dives at gmail dot com. You can find us on Instagram at top fives and deep dives. And uh We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Shout out Jack Warden. Short. Shriek, shriek.